we did the Pori Jazz Festival, which at the time was about maybe 30 or 40,000 people in the audience. Yeah. And I got up on stage and I looked over to the side and there was somebody who was very challenged in a wheelchair mm-hmm. listening to my music. That was a very wonderful moment for me. Yeah. Because it was my mom that died. There I was, though, no matter what. And I got this approval from this person. Hey, this is Achim Novak, executive coach and host of the My Fourth Act podcast. If life is a five-act play, how will you spend your fourth act? I have conversations with exceptional humans who have created bold and unexpected fourth acts. Listen and be inspired, and please rate us and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. Let's get started. It gives me such great pleasure to welcome Janine Otis to the My Fourth Act podcast. Janine has been a substantial voice in music for over 40 years, effortlessly performing in jazz, classical and dance, gospel and pop genres. Janine has also recorded extensively in both dance music back in the days and jazz. She's a graduate of Wellesley College and also holds a master's degree from Emerson College in Boston, where she was also a teaching fellow. She has toured as a vocalist and shared the stage with great musicians of every genre, especially jazz, who have served as mentors. Someone I just mentioned some names that you will all recognize, Grover Washington Jr., Arthur Prysaw, Cool and the Gang, Joe Chambers and Donald Byrd, Rudy Mwangozi, Finnish jazz composer Heike Sarmanto and Vishnu Wood and his band Safari East. Janine has also appeared on Broadway in this joint is jumping and toured throughout Europe as the Strawberry Woman and Porgy and Bess, singing in many of the great opera houses in Europe, including those in Rome, Cologne, Venice, and Modena. Her recording Magic Song with Haki Sarmanto was re-released by the Warner Group Worldwide, and selections from Magic Song are included in over 12 jazz compilations. And this I want to add because I have a special relationship with this place for over the last for the last 30 years. Janine has also been the music director at St. Mark's Church in Manhattan's East Village. That's the second oldest church in the city and an extraordinary place for the arts. We talk about that as well. I just shared with you the life that's more publicly visible to people. But during this entire time, Janine has done a lot of work in communities uh, as an educator. She's passionate about it with often with communities. I hate this label that are, might be labeled disadvantaged mm-hmm. and using the arts to work with those communities. One last confession. Janine and I first crossed paths. I was doing the math, Janine. This was almost 40 years ago. This is insane. We were just children in our 20s <laughs> and uh, had the pleasure of doing some work together. And it's just a joy to speak with you these many years later and uh, reflect a little bit on life and what's next. So welcome, Janine, after this very long introduction. <laughs> Thank you, Akeem. I have such great respect for you and what you do. Each podcast, I, I start with a simple question, and, and, and I want to add something to it with you, which is, 
when you were a young girl, a teenager, who did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? You come from a musical family. You performed early. So the question is, did you always want to be a musician? I just was always involved in music. My mother was a choir director, and she was an accountant. But then I she was a quarter. So yeah. I think I was going to rehearsals in her room. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. My cousins were the Jones brothers, Dad, Elvin, Hank. And my mother was very close to my cousin Elaine, who married. that. That's how they became cousins, married mm-hmm. in that family. So there's a story. When I was about four years old, we went to visit my aunt. And, yeah, I've always been like, you know, crazy kid. So <laughs> so they put on the music, and it was jazz. It was some yeah. of that's new arrangements. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a kid. So they, you know, we used to have those stereo systems that had, you know, the cabinet. So mm-hmm. I crawled under the cabinet and did, you know, because <laughs> I loved the music so much. And my uncle said to my mother, uh-oh. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's the story, I think, that sticks with me. Now, so what I'm curious about, the story you just told me, I'm thinking, yeah, well, music was in her veins and in her blood. It was there, right? But you went, you went to two very impressive universities. You went on to get a, a master's from Emerson, where you focused on on vocal work, but also on education. And if I can play devil's advocate, somebody could have just said, you know, gosh, she's such a great singer. Just let her go out and sing, right? And and you got this education. Was that because mom and dad insisted on it? Was it because you wanted it? What was that like? My family is comprised of an interesting interesting mix of people. My dad was from New Orleans and came up, you know, in this migration that a lot of people Mm -hmm. write about. And some people in my mother's family were from the islands. And so the idea was not to end up being an artist at all. Mm -hmm. Although people, you know, we had Hank and that and Alvin and our family and other people, but um, that was not what what the plan was for me. Mm-hmm. The plan was for me to do all that and enjoy it and and be good at parties or or you know do something, but not to make it my career. So that actually brought quite a bit of conflict in yeah. my early 20s but my mother was just um, she loved all that and totally understood it and supported crazy me and uh, (laughs) and that's what happened (laughs) that's what happened nice and at wellesley i got a lot of support for being an alternative Turn to to think in alternative ways. Nice. I had a great theater teacher who I visited just up until he died a few years ago, off and on. Yeah. And so 
I found people who were just very supportive in my educational experiences. So I just want to throw some things at you because you've had this, and to me, this wonderfully eclectic life that is not in a straight line. And I think that's, you know, that's a gift. Back in the early 80s, I, I listened to a song the other day that you recorded back then. So I just want to throw out the title. And <laughs> because you did a song called Gigolettes, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> you heard it. I, I, yeah. It, I, it made me laugh in a really good way. First of all, I loved Gigolettes. But this is Janine in her 20s doing what I call soft rap song, right? That's what it is. How does one end up coming from from Emerson with a master's then at you know, New York? And then how does somebody say, hey, why don't you record Gigolette? You know, I just have followed the wind. So uh-huh. I was introduced by some friends in a show that I was doing actually at Henry Street at showcase called Berlin to this guy, Kenny Williams. So I want to just interrupt you because... That was a very New York reference. That's Henry Street Settlement, oh, which is a, a wonderful place on the Lower East Side in Manhattan that also historically has really promoted the arts, right? I yeah. just wanted to give Henry Street Settlement a plug. So yeah. go ahead. A wonderful place. Yeah. yeah. And they said, oh, you got to go meet Kenny Williams, who actually just passed away. So I went to his office in that 1650 Broadway, where all the people just kind of hung out. You know, a lot of people had offices. There a lot of writers. And that mm-hmm. I met him, and he introduced me to a guy named Bill Moore, and also Sam Jacobs, um, who, who, uh, who I also met, yes. <laughs> so between those two, they said, hey, because this is really dating me. There's this new thing called rap. It, it'll be funny just... Look at the text, and if you want to add something. So I was just having fun. But then there, the Gigolette people liked it, you know. (laughs) 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 But I love that. Yeah. We live, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I love the phrase that you sort of, I I was going with the wind, because in current times, for young pe- younger people, that's discouraged. You're supposed to have goals, and you're supposed to be driven, and you're supposed to aggressively pursue them. And sometimes magical things happen that you and I can chuckle about right now but because you were going with the wind, right? Yeah. And there's a beauty to it. Yeah. I'm going to ask you an almost impossible question and an unfair question, but because you've done so many cool things, and let me, let me, let's maybe focus on your performance as a as a singer if you had to describe one or two moments and for each moment i know you're excluding other moments that are also wonderful which is the unfair part but a moment where we go out wow this was a perfect moment this is why i love singing this is why i love performing these moments make it all worthwhile like what 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 moments come to mind to janine well to to go back, back, back. I love so much of what I've done. And Larry and I joke, we're too immature to grow up. So I kind of live from moment to moment. And there was when I was at um, the Pori Jazz Festival, we're talking 
1980. Yeah. And, you know, I had flown to Finland just after my mother died. My family didn't want me to continue the stuff, and but I did. And I went with this little money in my pocket. But when I got there, they had provided for me really well. And we went into rehearsals with this music, this a magic song. And we did the Pori Jazz Festival, which at the time was about maybe 30 or 40,000 people in the audience. Yeah. And I got up on stage and I looked over to the side and there was somebody who was very challenged in a wheelchair mm -hmm. listening to my music. That was a very wonderful moment for me. Yeah. Because it was my mom that died. There I was, though, no matter what. And I got this approval from this person. What I think of, and then I could be totally going off on a tangent, but when you describe the moment where you see the person in the wheelchair, sometimes as artists, especially the moment we perform in bigger venues, it's it's almost this anonymous experience. We receive the energy of people, but we forget the impact we have on individuals, right? And that was this person and and the impact that we have on the world. No, I was going to say often as artists, um, you can really live in a world where you don't, well, some people don't, but you can really not have enough of a, of a good idea of what you're actually doing. You can think, <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is a mess. You already said so many beautiful things. I, I want to, you mentioned your partner, Larry Marshall. Yeah. Larry Marshall, you've been, you're married, right? You're not. Well, you're, we're, we're together for 32 years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wasn't sure if it was legal we're marriage not. or not, but you've been together for a long time. Larry Marshall is a well-known uh, yeah singer, uh, primarily in my mind, identified with Broadway type performances. You jokingly said it's like, we're children who don't want to grow up. I told him what? this morning I was going to speak very poorly of him. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play with that phrase. What's nice or wonderful about being a child that doesn't want to grow up? Sometimes it feels like we're in a, in a factory in the best way possible. If he needs someone uh, plink out a melody for him or, or sit on book. That's me. He does, he'll sit on book or more for me though. He'll say, you know, Janine, that really doesn't make sense. Or it does make sense. Mm -hmm. And we met when Larry was at a real low point in his career. And because of my orientation with pop music and classical music, but not so much theater where I would know, oh, Larry Mark. So I didn't know. We just, he was somebody going through changes. I thought he was a writer. We were doing this show that was giving us both a lot of agita. <laughs> <laughs> and we, I was assistant music director. Uh -huh. We've kind of developed this relationship where we, we help each other. Yeah. I'm going to just briefly reference my own partner. I was saying, first of all, I'm I'm in a relationship with a lawyer. If anybody had told me I would be with a lawyer when you and I knew each other, I would have said you're out of your friggin' mind. Like that's <laughs> the that's the last person I want to be with. But it's nice to have that kind of support as needed in many ways in the household. 
So I, I really understand that. And and the, the the first day I met my partner, we we met modern ways online. We went on a coffee date. I thought to myself, this is my best friend. I fell on the on the first day. Yeah. And that's a really good, really good way to start a relationship, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> because we're joking about longevity already in this conversation. And that's a, a beauty of getting older is that we yes. appreciate the longer arc of life and what's happened in that arc. But you have been the director of music at a really beloved and almost legendary church in Manhattan on the Lower East Side. For listeners who don't know it, it's uh, the church itself is wonderful because it has, it's almost like a U-shaped theater. That's what it feels like. So it has this big center space and you sit very close to the center and rightfully is um, a wonderful dance program, dance based project is housed there. Mm-hmm. And very avant garde theater director Richard Foreman, ontological theater, used to perform there. So, this is a, a true home of the arts. It's a refuge for artists and it's a spiritual community with a lot of history. You've been the music director for 30 years. <laughs> That's insane, Janine. <laughs> for our artist friends who are listening, how did you get that gig? Like, how did that happen? Well, Again, we blew through the wind. Yeah. I uh, met uh, actor Raymond Berry, I think mm-hmm. his last yeah. He was on um, Gotham last. But yeah. we met at Equity, and I was uh, having a rough time, I think, just... Again, and I want to say for our non-showbiz people, Equity is the actors' union. So yeah. <laughs> And we struck up conversation and a friendship. And I was really having a rough time uh, mm-hmm. with a lot of things. So he suggested that I come with him to St. Mark's because none of us, we want to embrace spirituality, but we don't want to embrace the stereotypical <laughs> thing where we're all marching and trying to yeah. keep in the fires of hell or whatever. So he invited me to St. Mark's and it was an it was Pentecost, and and actually this guy who became a kind of mentor had written this liturgy that involved acting, um, actors reciting poetry, Yeah, wonderful music, Bill Russell, and a shout out to Bill, he, he just passed away and we had a big service for him. Mm-hmm. And so they embraced me, they embraced me, and that was in the 80s, and then the person who was the music director left. He wanted to do something else with his life, and there I was again. <laughs> they always allowed me to to do keep doing performance things and try mm-hmm. to come back, as long as I made sure that things were covered. Mm-hmm. But over the years, I helped to grow a concert series connected to the church. I want to dig a little deeper. I I love the way it happened. But then at some point, you mentioned that the person before you chose to leave and do other stuff. You've chosen to stay. So what what keeps you there? Well, it's interesting that you ask. But I think in a way, I felt useful. Mm -hmm. I felt over the years like the work at the church is 
uplifting. It kind of saved my life. You know, my your life so that you're really productive mm-hmm. and still dreaming. Because the guy is now, he works for Apple Computers. And he's wonderful. He's brilliant. You know? yeah. and, and his choice was his choice. Yeah, I think it's just that it's, you know, at this age, I wake up and I'm excited about what I'm doing. I I need to now focus more on how to get on the Forbes list. <laughs> That's a joke. When you have yourself, when you've worked on, on your core, yeah. worked on that connection with the universe, it's, I know I sound so... No, I have a very concrete relationship to the divine. I experience it in certain ways, conscious, and everything you're saying makes complete sense to me, Jenny. And I, yeah. I know you do. Yeah. That's yeah. what your honesty and your you come from. I think it's kept me alive in ways that are hard to articulate. Yeah. A word from your sponsor. That's me. I invite you to go to the website associated with this podcast, www.myfourthact.com. You will find other equally inspiring conversation with great humans. And you will also learn more about the, the My Fourth Act Mastermind Groups, where cool people figure out how to chart their own fourth acts. Please check it out. And now back to the conversation. Now, one other strand of your life that I've alluded to is your really decades of working as an educator through the arts in communities. That's sort of the less sexy and less glamorous work. Mm-hmm. I often joke, like we, we know a lot of wonderful performers who sometimes do this work. I would say almost, I don't mean this in a bad way, like it's a gig. You can get it. It's nice. You use your art but they haven't demonstrated this long-term commitment to this work that you have. Could you give our listeners who maybe don't know what it looks like to use the arts in a community, just maybe pick one project. Again, I'm asking an impossible question because you've done so many to describe what that looks like and describe why you, Janine, like, like to do that work. Well, like... Some artists that we've we know their lives. Uh, you know, I had some real struggles with with mental troubles, illness, with health issues, mm-hmm. and I think that work. This actor friend of mine said it's thankless work, but it's not. But you know, I can look around at times, and go, wow. This kid showed up on time. <laughs> We're going to do this song. We're going to, uh, or, or in the spring, because Larry does it with me sometimes. I started at this school called the Paul Robeson School. Mm-hmm. I worked with about 100 kids doing excerpts from The Lion King because the principal wanted the kids to connect with some sort of sense of ancestry. Yeah, a lot of kids there from Africa, Haiti, and um, well, different parts of Africa and Haiti, and 
And, yeah, I mean, it's... It just is something I think that uh, I really think is important to do. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, you know, it pays, but I think more than that, I just have, I can just name in my mind a string of things. Um, I did that. I also do the same kind of work now with, with people that, with seniors. Mm-hmm. And we just, we did a piece called Living with Hope. Nice. Where they shared their stories. And, um, and I, as we were, you know, I get people to write. And, and as they were sharing their stories, I said, well, this is like a theater piece. Yeah. And we put, put it together and presented it. And just the feeling of camaraderie and that you're doing something well. And I have to also give a shout out to... Another mentor friend, Liz Suedos. Yes. We worked very closely together. And, and, and again, for our listeners who know Liz Suedos, who died way too young, I would call her, in the best sense, a rebel composer. She did yeah. amazing theater pieces. Some of them ended up on Broadway. So she had commercial successes, but she was, in my mind, sort of a non-traditional gal. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> tell us what we should know about you and working with the wonderful Lisuedos. I met her with Larry. We were doing a piece about, well, this was when they were beginning to ban books mm-hmm. and everything. So I met her and, and um, we we all worked on this piece together. We helped to write. And that's the way she works. I mean, she comes in with, the end in mind, but then she inspires you mm-hmm. to speak out, and we bonded. Uh, and then I was having some health issues, and I I have a piece she wrote for me, Janine Psalms that I framed, you know. Beautiful. Um, but she, yeah, we did. Um, we worked in the Delacorte, and we just 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 so much in terms of the values of what theater is, and Liz. Uh, I just, I loved her approach to work. She was honest to her. It was important for theater to speak to issues as well as be entertaining. Yeah. But but to speak to them, you know, honestly, and and let people be a little uncomfortable, but let them come out thinking. I also worked briefly with Eve Ensler. Yes. A little, um, but Liz was really, you know, we did a tribute to her and her, her wife was very gracious about all that. And we, we did a piece together, The Three Kings, uh, which celebrated Epiphany in the most unusual way with puppets. And The Three Kings were, were really um, in the course of the play, just really pondering why they were doing this and the music and it was very different. I just appreciate you giving us a, a flavor of this work. And just as I'm listening to you, I'm also getting such a sense of how that work is really personally meaningful to you. Yeah. Now you, you made this wonderful, <laughs> wonderful joke where you said, Oh, I just need to be in the Forbes list now. And, uh, <laughs> And I, 
because part of the fourth act is, and I speak to a lot of a lot of people who are their life experience is very different from yours. But the fourth act questions are this, which is I've had this extraordinary life. I'm here from there were ups and downs, but around it is just amazing work that you get to do. And you've also been supported and blessed by both spiritual communities, mm-hmm. your your partner Larry. So as you look to the future as a very accomplished musician, what do you want to keep doing or do more of? Are there any things that you want to do less of? Meaning like I've done this for years. I don't want to do it anymore. Like as you look at your future, what does that look like within these questions? To call me an accomplished musician, that's really something. Because I know you don't don't say things out of you. So anyway, the story on that, there's always a story with me. This guy, Ken to St. Mark's, and he is very accomplished guitarist and teacher. And he summed it up for me. Just, just, just a couple of months ago, he said, you know, you can really love something, but you can know that it's time for you to do something else. That's right. And you don't have to feel bad about it. That's right. And I think I'm going to always want to do a lot of what I've been doing. But yeah. I think I, I want to just make sure as I'm getting up uh, in age and all, that I have a comfortable cushion for myself. And and I think I do emotionally have one, <laughs> but I want it to reflect in my my. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but not, I don't, I don't think I'll ever be the person who does something just to. Just for the money. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where that lies in terms of sanity. (laughs) Another thing I'm curious about, I'm a former New Yorker who left 18 years ago for Florida. You have lived in Staten Island for a long time, which is uh, often the forgotten borough. When I think of Staten Island, I think of this very romantic commute via the Staten Island ferry to the city and back. During you and all of your years in Staten Island, have you ever thought, oh, I, I should be living in Manhattan? I should be closer to 1650 Broadway or or it's fine to be where I am? Or, how did you end up in Staten Island and why did you stay? Everything is a story with me. Go um, for it. I did live in Manhattan. And fortunately, I had not such a great experience um, mm-hmm. in my apartment. Somebody broke in while wow. I was in the apartment. Mm. Um, and I'm sure that if I lived at Fifth Avenue and Ninety Street, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> that's not. I don't know if that would happen. <laughs> so then, I found Staten Island actually through a friend of St. Mark's too. Yeah, urban, and it's it, it's affordable. I know that um, I there are parts of Staten Island that people discuss in various ways, but I found mm-hmm. a loving, supportive yeah. community, just regular people. And sometimes that's just really nice, you know. And it, yeah. I found it very com uh, in 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 tragedies like Sandy or some of the things that have happened, I've been really happy to be 
in a community where people ask you if you need help getting, you know, your car yeah. in the snow or. Yeah. All makes sense. It totally makes sense to me. When you look back at your life and, and the many different things you've done, the highs and the challenges, and if you were to give some some word of advice to young Janine, the, the free spirit, wild child, as you described her, <laughs> based on what you know now, and, and not to change anything, not to change your, the, the history of what happened, but what do you know now that you, if you were the wise, the wise inner voice, what would you like to say to young Janine? I was thinking about all this, and we're having homecoming uh, for the past two weeks of St. Mark's, which is wonderful. Uh, and uh, there's some really, there was some wonderful music. And, and I thought about what that meant to me. Mm. You, at this age, you, you can kind of be at a time when you, you get to the core of it more. And my, I felt like I, I'm okay. I wanna. I'm thinking, maybe I'll end up back in Michigan. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to. I'd like to have a house. Like I grew up in a house. I'd like mm-hmm. to buy a house. I'd like to um, work still in music and have that support everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, have neighbors worry about my lawn and and still worry about issues at the same time. Thank you so much for well, just to get the gift of of you, the work you do, and and giving us a little glimpse into some moments from your life. I can't imagine that our listeners aren't curious about where they can find your music or where they can learn more about you. Where where would you like to direct them to? I was listening to Amazon yesterday. Mm-hmm. And amazed that um, a selection from uh, the new recording Into My Heart is on Amazon. And... The the magic song with Heike has been re relabeled, renamed Janine Otis and the Helsinki Philharmonic. Can you imagine? Amazing. Right. With, I didn't have anything to do with this. So I'm I'm thinking, wow, this is a gift. Um you can hear that on Amazon. Because you're being very humble. So I'm gonna I'm gonna add a few more things. So you can learn more about Janine at, at Janine's website, janineotis.com. I recently bought a whole bunch of music on iTunes from Janine. Go to iTunes, uh, put in Janine Otis, and you're going to find some of the old dance tracks, yeah. the soft rap, but you're also going to find Into My Heart, yeah. which is your latest CD, which is, I would say, a jazz CD with nine songs. It's beautiful. And uh, as I say goodbye, I'm gonna we're gonna lead out with one of your songs from "Into My Heart." And thank you again so much for this conversation, Janine. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. Bye for now. I saw a bird who tried to fly onto the sky so far away. And through my eyes I watched him As he glided high So gently, oh so gently 
Like what you heard? Please go to myfourthact.com and subscribe to receive my updates on upcoming episodes. Please also subscribe to us on the platform of your choice. Rate us, give us a review, and let us all create some magical fourth acts together. Ciao.